Welcome back, welcome back. This is episode three of the Tay Talks podcast. And with this episode dropping on Thanksgiving, we have to make it a family thing, eh? <laughs> jokes aside, jokes aside. This person is like a sister from another mister, as we like to call it. Before college, this person just spent a lot of time being a multi-sport athlete. Very athletic, played basketball a little bit, volleyball, track, and they dabble just a tiny bit with softball as well. And of course, now with this person's just very giving nature, they're helping other people achieve their best bodies and their best athletic goals by being a fitness trainer. And the person I'm speaking of is the great and amazing Aisha Bonds. Now, I don't want to drop the ball a little bit, but of course, that name stands out a lot because she is, in fact, the daughter of the all-time home run leader and amazing baseball player, Barry Bonds. But she's so much more than that. And you'll find out about her and her life throughout this conversation, which was just so fulfilling. She had a lot of great insight, and I can't wait for you guys to listen. So please sit back, relax, and enjoy. And happy holidays. Hope everyone's having a great time with their families. Yeah, so welcome, Aisha. I'm so glad that I got a chance to finally get this interview done with you. Uh, You've been such a great friend for such a long time, so I'm glad we got the opportunity to do this. Yeah, thanks for having me. Of course. So we're going to start off by just asking you, you know, what athletes inspire you in your personal life? Um, For me, I would have to say Allen Iverson. Even though I'm kind of young and he wasn't really my time, my time, but watching him play back and watching his interviews and stuff, it really honestly taught me to kind of just be me, even though I'm, you know, playing a sport or doing whatever. I'm definitely a perfectionist. So for me, like him watching him in his interviews and be like, no, like, you know, we're talking about practice, you know, like the (laughs) infamous line and he and, you know, he wears what he wants to wear. He does what he wants to do because he does he didn't lose himself you know, in the game or in the fame and all that stuff. He still stuck to who he was. Um, And even I can say, like, my era, I guess, would be more like Kyrie, too. Like, you know, he's still his person, you know, all the controversy stuff that he's been going through and stuff with, like, Nike and all that. Like, he still is being himself. And growing up, um, you know, with my dad and stuff and everything, like, he was that way, which is why – I look up to him definitely as an athlete for sure because he still was himself and never, you know, gave up on himself and allowed himself to be who he was and didn't kind of, you know, change his personality or change, you know, the way he speaks to people or the way he treats people. Like he really kept to who he was. And those are basically kind of like the athletes that I look up to. Yeah, I think those are two really good ones. Uh, you know, especially AI. When you said that, I just like had a flashback of just like 
thinking about how great of a play, not only just how great of a player he was and he definitely has some controversy but mm-hmm. uh just how he really kind of like allowed for you know these young talented black men to really just you know come into the you know to their own and just act like themselves like you said right. Now we see Kyle Kuzma walking around with his famous pink sweater hanging right. off his <laughs> his arms, and right. you know Westbrook's got fashion, and dudes, mm-hmm. you know Damian Lillard is rapping, and you know all these guys are really uh, showing off their talents outside of the you know just being a basketball player. And I know there was this narrative of like, hey, shut up and dribble, um, and like he was definitely you know one of those early pioneers of a guy who was like, hey, I'm not just here to play basketball. I'm you you know, I'm a human being outside of the exactly. basketball court and there's more to me besides, you know, putting the ball in the hole. So, yeah, 100%. Um, yeah, those are definitely some really, you know, some really good athletes to think about uh, to inspire you um, in that way, for sure. Yeah. Um, so, you know, obviously you played couple sports in high school you played basketball played volleyball you ran track so you know how did your athletic career shape you into the person that you are now um I think going through kind of a variety of sports basically a whole season of sports I would say shaped me kind of to be more responsible when I got older and more strong I would say Cause a lot of the times I feel like even in high school, like I wasn't doing, you know, all the studying I could be doing. I wasn't doing all the stuff <laughs> I could be doing to get to where I needed. But I, I always, when it came to sports, my mindset was always, you know, be the first one there and be the last one to leave, you know, put your all into your practice, you know, regardless of how you're feeling or not, like, you know, you made a commitment, so finish it. And that's kind of how I am in my life where it's like, if I start something, I have to see it through and finish it. Give or take, obviously, as you get older, sometimes you're like, nah, I don't technically need to, you know what I mean? But in that sort of sense of how it shaped me with being kind of just more responsible and more like, you know, you got to get your stuff done, be focused and be strong about it, you know, because obviously sports are going to have injuries, you know, learning how to deal with that in high school kind of sucks, especially with my dad too like it was a lot for me when I um, was playing volleyball I had a lot of fluid in my knees and my dad being the athlete that he is was like all right come here and I was like ah (laughs) he (laughs) rubbed my knees you know the whole compression the heat the ice all that stuff and then like readied for me for my next game like obviously it was so painful but it was like you know you do the things that you need to do to get out there and show up for not just yourself, but also your team. And I think I definitely took that back into my life and kind of did that with, you know, right now, like the basic stuff, like jobs, cleaning my room, just like simple things. You know what I mean? You kind of take that back and you're like, all right, you know, I did what I needed to do for this sport. I can also do what I need to do in the rest of my life as well. And like, stay strong, you know, stuff like that. Yeah, staying strong through it all. Uh, of course, you know, of course, your dad's using the old school method, you know, no. old school guy, old school method, you know, you know, you can't get like, in the game. Right. I was like, I'm not a professional athlete, yo. It's not that serious. <laughs> yeah, that is too, too funny. So which sport was your favorite in high school and why? I would say, ooh, that's a good question. I would say, I would say, mm, I would say track. 
a lot of people I think would assume that I'd choose volleyball because I played that the most. I also played club, um, which I did. I did love volleyball, but I I think track was my favorite one because it taught me how to compete with myself, make sure I am still an individual with myself, but also compete for a team. So I got to get kind of like both sides of it in a way. So I think track would honestly be my favorite and. I think it was just fun because when you finish the races, you got to come back to your team and be like, hey, like, this is what I did. I got first or I got second. I'm trying to beat my new time, like stuff like that. And you kind of had people behind you in the sports. You had a team, but you also were an individual out there and showcased your own self. So I, I, I really like track. I think that's my favorite. Yeah, you uh, Spencer talked a little bit about that last week, the aspect of like being on a team, but being in an individual sport because he was a skier and he was on the ski team and it's individual, but it's as a team. Right. You brought a really good perspective. You guys are making me wish I, you know, was on a track team or something <laughs> like that to see, you know, what it was really like. You know, obviously I wasn't fast or anything like that, but I could, okay. you know, I could jump, I could jump high. Maybe I could have right. did, you know, triple jump or you know, high, high jump. jump, high jump. Or, yeah, something like that. You know, uh, yeah. I wish that's a really good perspective. Uh, so obviously. You play those three sports, which are three amazing sports, but you know, everyone knows who your dad is. Yes. Not uh, not a question about who he is and what he accomplished on the baseball field. So was there any pressure for you to play softball during that time? Um, from him, no, not at all. Like that's the that's the thing that I loved about my dad. Like he was more pressure about like if you're gonna do something, do it and do your best and try your hardest, whatever it is. Um, but I think I got a lot of pressure from my peers to play softball, especially from Brentwood. Um, but I remember there's this one girl that I played with, Lindsay Chapman, in sixth grade, and we made a bet. She was a big baseball fan and stuff, and. I was kind of interested to see, like, okay, let me see what this softball thing is about, like, whatever. Um, and so I told her, I was like, all right, if you play, like, volleyball and basketball with me through the season, I'll play softball on your club team. And so we made that bet, and I ended up playing on her team. It was super fun. I actually really enjoyed it. It weirdly, and I never boast myself up like this, but it weirdly came so easy like, I really showed my genetics, and I freaked out. I'm not even going to lie. <laughs> I freaked out because I knew what that pressure was going to come if I decided to really, really stick with it. And even my dad did say, she she said, like, oh, if she stuck with it, like, she would be really great. And, like, a lot of the coaches and stuff were, like, it just comes natural to her to, like, pick it up, which, I mean, makes sense. Like, I would hope being Barry Bonds' daughter, like, I could play softball. <laughs> but, like, I knew, like, in that moment, I was like, I'm just going to finish the season out and not play. Like, I, I knew it because of that pressure that it would come with. And just, like, you know, even when, you know, I mean, even, um like, LeBron's kids, maybe even, you know, Kobe's, you know, rest in peace, like, daughters and stuff. Like, when they were playing, I'm sure, you know, you can see it. Like, sometimes, you know, the pressure hits. And sometimes you can deal with it mentally. Sometimes you can't. And I knew within myself that... I was very big on being my own person, um, especially coming with Brentwood and stuff like a lot of things that happened with my dad in the media was brought to school and was also brought in my life. 
And I was so big on kind of running away from it and kind of being my own person that I knew in that moment when I was playing softball that I didn't, I didn't want to play. (laughs) I didn't want to do it, but no, no pressure really from him. I feel like it was more my peers I had pressure from. Yeah. And I definitely remember you having some of that pressure. I'm curious though, what position did you play in softball? Okay. So I played second base one time. They kind of put me everywhere because they wanted to see where I was. Of course they put me outfield. Of course they put Mm -hmm. me left outfield, but I was really fast. And not to say that my dad wasn't fast, (laughs) not to try to compare (laughs) the two, but um, they liked me at shortstop. They liked me there better. So I ended up playing shortstop and sometimes second base. Um, And then of course I, if, you're curious. I did hit a lot of home runs in that season. <laughs> of course. Yeah. <laughs> Apple doesn't fall too far from the tree. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, I also, you know, uh, you have your great, amazing, talented siblings. Uh, you have an older sister and an older brother. What are some of the lessons that you learned from being the youngest and uh, which sibling helped mold you the most? Um. This is going to be super difficult to say, but I'm going to be honest in this interview. But my brother taught me no matter who you are in my life, whether that's family, whether that's friends, whether that's significant other, whether that's whoever, whoever, does not mean I need to tolerate abuse. And I'm that's how honest I'm going to be about it. I don't talk to my siblings anymore. Um, My brother has been very abusive towards me, not sexually, but mentally. And there comes a point in time where, you know, you feel bad and you want to help their family. I love my family. Like, I still love my brother. I still love my sister, you know, and stuff like that. But I think I was manipulated so much to the point where Every interaction I had with him, I was always coming back crying. And it got really hard for me because I felt really bad. Like, I wanted to help him. And I knew because so he does smoke weed a lot. Not to say that, not to be like, oh, everybody who smokes weed is bad, da, 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 whatever. But he showed a very clear addiction. And it created a lot of bipolar, aggressive, um, you know, I wouldn't say disorder because I don't want to, you know, basically like say that I'm a doctor and I'm you know right. telling what he has but it really did mood change him a lot and he went up and down up and down up and down one moment he's yelling and cussing me out one moment he's super happy with me um there were times where I was you know paying for him in high school um and college and I got manipulated to pay for him because he is my brother and I have to help him you know because he'll help me da 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 stuff like that um you know, there comes a point in time, too, when you see things like physical abuse within a relationship um, where he, you know, I've I haven't experienced it myself, but I've seen it from one of his girlfriends and his girlfriend currently now who has kids with him that he, you know, would beat her, stuff like that. Um, they both go at it. She also has her faults, too, as well, but not to go deep into that relationship, but it, it came to a point in time where my brother used my emotions and my feelings and me being a good person towards him to manipulate me and to think that I have to always be there for him. I have to drop everything for him and yet still get, you know, 
antagonize, get yelled at if I say no, or, you know, he'll talk really bad about my mom or other things, just things about his emotions. But I knew it wasn't him, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. I knew it was, he has an issue and a problem that he needs, he needs help. But, you know, it came to the point actually last year, New Year's, where I literally blocked him on everything and cut him off because I was just completely done. And that's kind of the lesson that he taught me was, you know, not, I don't have to accept abuse or disrespect no matter who it is. And like that, that's basically kind of like the overall thing with my brother. Um, That's kind of like what he taught me. My sister, on the other hand, kind of taught me the same thing, but also kind of taught me more about I would say I would say values for myself and weird to say like not to say that my siblings are bad people I love them to death they're not bad people at all we all have issues and we all are dealing with them differently and I just decided to deal them with on my own and not take things that I don't deserve so with my sister she's doing her own thing I don't talk to her either Um, I haven't talked to her in like two years, I think, (laughs) but, um, she kind of taught me more value in a way. I do notice that she tends to go for guys who have money (laughs) and go for guys, no matter who they are, even if they're mistreating her, she'll go for the guy with money. Um, for me, that kind of taught me like to sit down with myself and kind of understand what I wanted in a relationship because, you know, I'm getting advice from my older sister about things like a man should be paying for all of this. He should be paying for your friends and all these things that I'm, you know, taking in especially. And I mean, even on social media, like society, what a man should be doing, but it honestly like brought me out of it and made me sit down with myself and be like, what do I want? (laughs) Not what my sister's saying, not what other people are saying. Like, what do I want? Because I would always go to her because I always saw her with guys. She was going on trips and all this stuff. So I looked at her like, oh, she's hot. Like, I'm not as good looking as her. But like, if a guy comes my way, I have to act the way she does in a way. You know what I mean? So Mm -hmm. it kind of taught me that in a way that I realized, like, actually, that's not what I want. (laughs) And I realized, like, money is not everything and if a guy cannot pay for something that's okay you know Mm -hmm. stuff like that and I mean me and my sister definitely have differences and stuff and like we have there's a lot of deep deep family stuff that has gone on that has separated me and my siblings but I think at the end um what I learned mostly from them was really understanding myself and understanding a lot of how I deal with disrespect if that makes sense and kind of like took myself out of trying to be like them and trying to listen to them and trying to kind of like drop all my needs for them it made me kind of like and I mean it took me a long time it took me a very long time like literally last year just kind of you know took all of them away from me but it took me a long time to do that, but I think that's kind of the lesson that I learned was kind of just to, you know, a lot of deep, deep sentimental dying <laughs> with myself, which is sad. I mean, obviously, it still hurts me to this day. I wish I had an amazing relationship with my siblings. I wish, you know, I had 
you know, family days, the family group chats you see with like everybody else, but I don't and that's okay. And I've, you know, been okay with it. Um, But in the end, like my siblings are great. They're great humans. They're great people. They mean well, you know, Mm -hmm. I just, you know, for me personally, what I did with my feelings, I kind of just, you know, took myself away from that. Um, Because even when I was younger, um, I didn't grow up with them. Like I never really grew up with them. And when I did have them in my life multiple times, I was young and, you know, you don't really know really what's going on within the family when you're young until you turn 24. <laughs> like mm-hmm. everybody decides to tell you everything and you're like, oh, I get it. I get it. I get it. You know, so it does hurt, mm-hmm. but I do love them. And, you know, obviously I wish the best for them. I don't hate them. You know, I have so much love for my family and love for them and I just want the best for them but I think the best for me right now is to you know do what I've been doing doing my own thing listening to myself listening to my feelings talking to God um and stuff like that and you know not talking to them for a while but yeah (laughs) yeah I think um First of all, thank you so much for just being honest about your situation and sharing that with me. Um, you know, that's obviously a really tough situation. I think that, you know, self-love can sometimes be the most important love. And sometimes um, you obviously have to, you want to help people, but you have to help yourself before you yeah. can help others. Uh, and so I think like the lessons that you learned from that those situations are definitely good lessons to learn and um just the fact that you're just so open and honest about the fact that like hey you still love them you know we all have family members that have we have complicated situations with you know because um not always does family treat you like you know people say family should um so yeah, just you learn from that. Um, but obviously, you understand that we're all on this planet growing um, right. every single day, hopefully, all trying to get better every single day. Right. And, um, you know, through that process, there's going to be ebbs and flows, there's going to be ups and downs. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, at the end of the day, uh, you have to be able to be in a good state of mind yourself before you can even help others so it's definitely a really good lesson um you talked a little bit about your independency now and kind of doing your own thing and uh, of course i know you're now doing some physical training with some people Mm -hmm. what sparked your interest into getting into physical training so for fitness i've always loved fitness and i think that comes from my dad (laughs) like i've always been like i want to work out like in college i used to do like soul cycle all the time and i never thought i'd be into it but i really did um i was always weightlifting a lot always working out so i always had a passion for it but i didn't really know what i wanted to do with it and i think i kind of steered myself away from sports because of my dad and everything Um, so I think what kind of spiked it was kind of just moving. I moved to Vegas with my mom. She's been here for a couple of times, but I ended up having to move here. Um, and I think I just kind of had like a spark for it. I just said kind of like, I was like, it, I'm just going to like work out, learn about it. And then maybe I can help people while I'm also training because 
I love psychology. I've always been into psychology. That's been my thing. It's always just helping people. If any way I can help someone like through what they're going through, that's what I want to do. I've always been like that. And I think that's just a passion that I have. And not to say that I want to make money off of it, but I want I would rather do that for the rest of my life than, you know, be a lawyer or be like a famous influencer or something that like makes money off of people like I I get joy and happiness from helping people and being able to you know help people through whatever they're going through whether it's what I was going through sibling situation family stuff or you know uh boyfriend girlfriend stuff like you know what I mean whatever they're going through like I like to be that person that's there for them so that way they feel comfortable they have someone to talk to but I also do love health and fitness, and I do feel like I found a lot of my peace through working out. And so that's when I was like, I wonder if I can incorporate fitness and psychology and see if I can also help people through working out or doing something and just getting out there and just, you know, and not to say that, oh, everybody needs to exercise, everybody's fat, da 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 stuff like that, not to say like that, but to say it more of, you know, Sometimes when you're by yourself in the gym, and this is how I feel, so I can't speak for everyone, but when you're when I'm by myself in the gym with my music, I'm able to then kind of ground myself and concentrate on myself. And I feel like when I was going through a lot of the things, I was thinking about other people. I still wasn't thinking about myself. So when I started just saying, fuck it, I'm just going to go to the gym every day, even if I just walk or even if I just sit there and stretch, you know, I'm by myself and I'm in, I'm in my own place and I'm able to actually ground myself and think about things of like what I want and what I like. Cause I'm choosing the song that I like to listen to in the gym. I'm choosing the workout that I want to do. So it ended up starting to become more of like a me kind of thing, which is, which is definitely selfish in a way, but I feel like how I've been in my life, I have not been selfish enough. And I think also too, sometimes when it comes to you know things that you're going through you're always worried about the other person the other person which is great empathy is an amazing you know quality to have and I think everybody should have it but sometimes it does come to a point where you need to start being selfish because you only live once I'm going to say it (laughs) you only live once and if you're always worried about other people and what they think how they're feeling and what they feel you're just going to tear yourself down which can make you sick you know what I mean? And like, mm-hmm. but yeah, basically just to, you know, be selfish sometimes and listen to your body. I think that's the biggest thing too. listen to your body. Your body knows you the most. And I mean, I can go into religion. I've been I've been reading the Bible a lot. I've been speaking to God. Um, I know a lot of people aren't religious, but for me, listening to him also helped me a lot, too, as well to kind of just, you know, do my own thing and stuff. But Personal training is fun. I love it. It's so fun. <laughs> and I want everybody to know that is listening at home that Aisha is one of the most giving, unselfish, nicest people I've ever met. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when she says that says this, she's not saying this from a place of like, it's about me, 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 me. It's about the fact that she feels sometimes that, you know, she's too giving to other people, which you know, can be, you know, detrimental at times to your own personal mental health and physical health and all of those things. So uh, she's definitely not coming from a place of, you know, 
It's only about her. <laughs> not not a selfish bone in her body. <laughs> Thank you. Not at all. Yeah. So I want to know, what's something that you wish was different about the fitness training community? Um, a lot. A lot. <laughs> um, I just think, uh, I mean, I can go on and on about this, but it's not to shame people. Like, do what you need to do, girl. Make your money. Do what you need to do. This world is hard hard to live in so do what you need to do to make your money um I just wish it was more real like I just I honestly wish it was more real like and I mean maybe these girls are being real and I'm, I'm speaking to girls because I do pay attention to girls more on social media guys I don't pay attention to on social media because I'm not a guy I can't really feel the I guess like pressure of that so I do focus on the girls for myself but for me, it's just like you get these girls posting with all these angles. Of, and hey, I do it too. Don't get me wrong. Go search me up on Instagram. You'll see the angles for sure. And I fell into <laughs> that. I fell into that 100%. And it gets into this cycle. And I mean, that's just social media. But it gets into this cycle too of fitness where it's like, I didn't even know these girls can, you can get surgery for your abs, BBLs. Everybody knows BBLs nowadays. We're all singing and rapping about it. I mean, like, you know, people people are morphing their body and then, you know, advertising that on social media like they got it naturally from working out. Not to shame them. If you don't like the way your body looks, you have every right to do what you want for your body to be happy. So you for sure go ahead and do that, girl. Get that BBL, look snatched, do what you need to do. My whole thing is, and for me personally, is like, if you're going to do that, be honest about it. Let people know, hey, I did the BBL. I got some fat trimmed off my stomach and I had my butt. But I'm keeping that because I am working out and I'm lifting and I'm keeping that shape that I like. That's completely fine. Nobody should hate somebody for changing the way their body looked. One, it's their body. has nothing to do with you. And if you don't like it, unfollow. Unsubscribe. Like You know what I mean? Like It's okay not to like it. I just genuinely wish... People were more honest about it and more like real about it. You know what I mean? And it's like, for for example, Alpha Land. Have you heard of Alpha Land? No, but keep me up. What is that? that? Alpha Land is this big gym in Texas. And you have all these Mm -hmm. influencers, people and everybody there working out and doing all this stuff. And a lot of, and I'm not going to say this because I actually don't, I don't know the athletes. I've only followed a couple of them and stuff like that. But some of the athletes who I have seen are on steroids or, you know, like anabolic steroids and stuff that a lot of people are taking at a young age now because it's such a low dosage. And it, and it's like not natural, but it's like they're promoting their body as natural, if that makes sense. And then it kind of puts mm-hmm. you into a mindset of like, well, I need to look like this. I need to do this. I need to do all these intricate workouts and all this stuff. And they've been doing it for years. So I have to, it's like, that's what kind of puts into the cycle of like self-hate. And I wish people were just more honest about it and stuff. And like, even like Alpha Land and stuff, like those athletes are so fun. They look so cool. They look fun to hang out with and like just a vibe. But it's also like, I went to see them at a fitness show and it's so funny, and I'm going to say this. My boyfriend's going to hate me for saying this, but I'm going to say it because I think it's funny as hell. So he's following these girls, right, 
all the you know the fitness influencer stuff he's a personal trainer as well so it's like you know he likes mm-hmm. to see he's got to see what girls are doing in order to train girls he's got to see what guys are doing mm-hmm. in order to train guys 100 percent. so he had he tells me oh like these are the girls that had gym crushes on whatever stuff like that so it was funny so we were going to the fitness expo and i was like oh all your girls are gonna be there let's see if they're real don't know whatever so we go and it is not what it's on instagram and he <laughs> looked at me he was like man this shit is <laughs> like, I'm unfollowing all these girls and like not to hate on them or anything and not to blame them because they're they're 100% beautiful in person they're definitely fit doing their thing but it's like you know like to be honest their butt's not as big as it seems on Instagram one girl has like a big tan on Instagram and she's she was mm-hmm. the whitest man in person and it's like ah, oh, it's like you know you look at them and it's like it's still them. It's still who they are. And it's just like, I just wish it was more, I guess, real, so to speak. And I don't want to sound like I'm hating or shaming on these girls because, no, they look beautiful in person, bad in person. They still lift the weight, so don't get me wrong. They still do what they mm-hmm. need to do. It's just I wish it was more real. Like, you know, talk about the real stuff. Talk about the days when you wake up and you're like, I'm not going to the gym because I'm lazy as hell and I'm going to eat some Takis and watch some Disney movies. Like, let's talk about that. Mm-hmm. Like, let's talk about those days because I know you're not mm-hmm. getting up every day with these get readies with me and really putting the work and showering every morning. Nah, like, <laughs> go on now. Like, mm-hmm. That's not that's not real. But it's like, if you are on your game, praise to you. Praise to you because it is not like that every day for me. <laughs> Yeah, nah, I feel you. I feel you. Uh, definitely. I'm one of those people that are like, yeah, you just got to be real. You know, it just helps others like feel better about themselves. If You know, they know like, okay, maybe it's not possible to achieve this or maybe it is. But, you right. know, uh, it's a little bit harder to achieve this than these people are making it seem. You know, they pick up the little 10 pounds and do the little curls every day and they're like, oh, my gosh, you know. <laughs> Right. You can get like this too. And, you know, they're doing, you know, steroids or have, you know, changed their body, altered their body in one way or another. So, um, yeah, it definitely feeds into that, like, body, you know, positivity, yeah. like, against it. It goes against, you know, body positivity because people are going to look at themselves and be like, oh, like, I see this influencer and they're just, you know, working on their body and you know it doesn't seem too hard and then i go and do it for three months straight you know a year straight and i don't have the same results then you know they they start to feel bad about themselves and yeah no definitely that's funny uh well it's not funny but the way you explained (laughs) it was kind of funny Uh, and it's not not to like no disrespect to them because I know it's like there's a lot of athletes at Alpha Lantu who are completely like full on transparent, full doing their thing, fully real. But it gets very, and I feel like it's harder for them though because you have all these other people promoting things like quick, fast results that they didn't get actually quick, fast results. They did other things and stuff like that. But like the one, the yeah. ones that I follow, I love. They're hella funny and super cool. Um, and like I'd love to be their friends one hundred percent because they just seem like they're having a great time over there and living their best life. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. So I got one quick funny question I have to ask you, and then we're gonna talk a little bit about pops. All right. Uh, so, in the gym, is it an appropriate place 
for someone to approach someone they find attractive? I'm dead. Um, I think, hmm, let me see. I feel like yes and no. I think it depends on your intentions. Because if you're going to come over here and say, like, hey, like, like, if you're going to comment on my body, no. If you're going to comment on, like, hey, what you're lifting is dope, like, put in that work, da-da-da, stuff like that, that's fine. I'm not the one that's like, oh, don't approach me at the gym, da-da-da-da. When I'm in my sets, I'm in my sets, I'm focused. I'll let you talk to me when I want you to talk to me, if that makes <laughs> If it's like that. But I feel like I get... I get kind of like 50-50 on questions like this because I feel like society has made it so hard for guys to like pursue someone, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. and it's like, there's so much expectations for men nowadays that I feel really bad because it's like, hey, if you see someone that's attractive, like, you know, you're gonna want to say something and want to be like, oh, you know, like, I just want to let you know, like, you look beautiful today. Like, that should that should be no harm, no foul. You know what I mean? Especially in a gym, mm-hmm. wherever you are. And, you know, and, and it's like, it takes a lot of guts to do that. Like, it takes, I don't remember, you know, it was so weird. I was having this deep conversation, actually, with my friend one night. Um, and I realized I never put myself in a position to be rejected because I was fear, like, I was very fearful of rejection. But it mm-hmm. made me, like, realize, too, and put empathy on your eyes because, Y'all put yourself in a line of rejection every single time you're approaching a girl. Like, every mm-hmm. single time. And that's, like, that's messed up. I'm <laughs> like, damn. And, like, I feel bad because it's like, you know, what are you supposed to do? Just let, like, some girl drop from the sky and be like, okay, I'm interested in you. Now you can flirt with me. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't work like that. It doesn't mm-hmm. work like that. And, like, well, you know, girls want to be pursued. Girls want to feel, you know, on cloud nine, stuff like that. But, if we're not going to allow a guy to do that and we're not going to allow them to, you know, try, let them try. Like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like they're not going to try anymore right. and it's going to be hard. So I think like in a gym setting, it definitely, I think it would just depend on how you would approach it, girl or guy, how you would approach it. So it's like, mm-hmm. if you're going to comment on the guys, like, let's say like for a girlfriend's and I'm like, damn, like, you know, like, your abs, like, look good and stuff, and, like, you know, like, I'm just trying to do other stuff. No, like, I just, I think that's disrespectful. Just as much as it's disrespectful mm-hmm. for a guy to say something like, oh, your ass looks, your ass looks hella nice, da, da, da. like, I'm trying to, like, mm-hmm. like take you to my house and stuff like that. It's just as disrespectful for a girl to do that. I feel like it plays right. both parts. But if you're coming over to a girl in the gym, like, hey, I just want to let you know, like, your fit's cute, you know, you look cute today, da, 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 like, good mm-hmm. work, stuff like that that's fine you know what i mean i think that's fine uh, do i think i think it's how you approach it makes it appropriate in the gym okay all right i <laughs> i accept that you know i i accept that i think that you're right you know there's obviously a way to do certain things and commenting on people's bodies and you know in that sense especially when like people are you know kind of vulnerable you know you're in like positions where like you're trying to get your body better you know what i mean and they're like not positions that you might naturally be in and you know so somebody's you know 
trying to do RDLs and they're right. over there bent down mm-hmm. and you're over there trying to comment on their body. That's, you know, that's uncomfortable. Right. So I agree. Uh, I, yeah, I think that like you said, society has kind of made it a little difficult where people are like, Hey, you know, I don't know where, where or when it's appropriate to, you know, right. try to talk to somebody that, um, I find attractive or whatever. Um, so I just, you know, I'm glad that I got your answer because it's just, you know, just it's just a good perspective to hear, you know, right. just to see, you know, what people think. It's interesting. Right. <laughs> All right. So I'm going to throw you a little a softball question as we get into talking about pops. The easiest one yeah. is what was your favorite ballpark snack when you were a kid? Oh, my gosh. Okay. Okay. And this sounds kind of stupid, but. At the ballpark, their pizza was so fire. <laughs> like, it was something about the ballpark pizza. Like, I could have Domino's, CPK, da, 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 whatever, or freshly made pizza, but there was something about that ballpark pizza at AT&T Park. Oh, my gosh. It was so good. And then um, my mom would always get the garlic fries. That's what we were mm-hmm. infamous for was, like, the garlic fries and stuff. So those two things were fire. And when I went back, when I went back for, I think it was, it was a reunion of the 2005 team. And I went back mm-hmm. with my dad. I made this whole like concoction thing because we had like the sweet food. So I was like, let me make this as ballparky as possible because I'm not here for the fanciness. I got a hot yeah. dog and I put the mac and cheese on top of it. And then I put some buffalo oh, sauce. Wow. Oh my gosh, it was fun. <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> so if anybody at and Park, I don't. I think the pizza's changed. Try the pizza, garlic fries, fire, and then if you end up do getting a hot dog, get mac and cheese on the side. Whatever sauce you like, like some people like ketchup, I guess on it, which I think is kind of nasty. But hey, do you? But I like the buffalo sauce. Put that on top of the hot dog and everything. Oh my gosh, it's like Scooby Doo all in one. It's so good. You just create snacks. It's so it was so good. But yeah, that was my favorite. It was the pizza. Okay, yeah. yeah. I'm going to have to try that the next time I go to AT&T. Um, okay, so another, you know, probably fun, easier question is, you know, what is your personal favorite moment from your dad's career that you remember? You were a little young, ooh, ooh, ooh. Okay. but, you know, that you remember. Um, I think my favorite part, ooh, this is a good one that I remember yeah I was really young but I do remember okay so I remember we went to the ballpark it was me and my mom he's already there and stuff like that and everything was like all like oh my gosh chaotic da 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 I I didn't realize it was like a record day like breaking day Mm -hmm. and it was like oh he's gonna break the record he's gonna break the record da 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 so I was and I remember this so visually my cousins ended up being there on my dad's side, um, Tara, and we call him Bubba, but he's Michael Jr. Um, and I was, like, so excited that they were there. I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to go see them, da, da, da. So, like, I didn't realize the PR besides this, behind this, I mean, behind the, like, breaking a record kind of thing. 
And it was mm-hmm. like, any day now, he's going to break the record. Da, da. But for me, I was like, this is just my dad's work. I'm here. I'm going to chill and have fun as a kid. Mm-hmm. So right. we were we went to go to the slide, the Coca-Cola bottle slide. So you're going on the mm-hmm. slide and everything, da, 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 and all this stuff. And I hear on the, the speaker, doom, 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 doom. So I hear it, and I was like, "Oh, that's up or whatever." But I didn't care. I was like, "I'm going on this slide. Like, you can do whatever you need to do." So they say, "Da da da, Barry Bonds, da da whatever," and everyone's cheering, da da da, standing up. And so my cousins are like, "Oh, let's go back to our seats. Let's go back to our seats." So we sprint to our seats, right? And me and my cousin, were, we were playing this game. I don't remember what the game was. We were playing this game because we did not care. Like we did not care. Mm-hmm. And um. And he broke the record, and everyone was like cheering and stuff. But me and my cousin were so focused on this game, <laughs> like, nothing <laughs> faced us, like nothing faced us. And I just remember, like everybody, like my my aunt was like, "You gotta go, you gotta go, you gotta go." And I was like, "What?" She's like I don't gotta go nowhere. <laughs> like what? I realized he broke a record, and so I just remember the chaoticness, like sprinting down to our seats, and then. Mm-hmm. I went to, and I was, like, super excited. So I was, like, and my mom was, like, he just broke a record. And I was, like, yay, yay, whatever. And um, so I go down, and it was cool because, like, you know, he does his kiss to God and his and his dad. Mm-hmm. And then he gave my brother was bad boy a kiss. And then he came over, and he, like, hugged me and gave me a kiss. And I was, like, wow, I feel cool. <laughs> <laughs> like, I was, like, that's cool. Like, he acknowledged me. But, like, no, that was that was the one thing. I'll say a couple of things. So that was the one thing that my mom told me is when I was little, if my dad was like up to bat or whatever, if he didn't acknowledge me, like when I was younger, when I got older, I was, you know, doing my little stuff in the park and like sliding and figuring out how much food I can order on my mom's guard. (laughs) But like (laughs) um, every time, like when I was a baby, baby, like he would have to say hi to me and blow me a kiss or I'd freak out and cry. Um, There was that thing. And then. A lot of times when I was at the ballpark, I would get asked for autographs. Like me, mm. I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know. I guess because when I got older and started getting a voice, <laughs> I was like mm-hmm. yelling at people. Like not like people in the stands, but like if my dad like like uh, was hitting or stuff or whatever, and like he got a strike, mm-hmm. I'd be like no, da da da, like stuff like that. And then like I would be like more vocal, and we would be like, um, we had the sign pitched to my daddy. That one, the infamous right. sign. And right. So this one guy came down the stairs and was like, oh, can I have your autograph? And it happened a couple of times. And mm-hmm. one of the guys one time that did come, he like threw like this whole thing in my lap. And I just remember my mom being like, no, no, don't sign anything. And I was like, I don't know what is going on. But it was just funny. Right. It's just It was funny to see like, oh, like it was just more, I feel like it was more hectic PR wise for us. Yeah. Because you have to do like the family's got to be there, da da, whatever. Uh, mm. And when you're younger, you're just kind of used to it being dad's work. You don't really realize what right. is really going on. So I think those two moments were just kind of like, whoa, for me when I was younger. Like, of course, obviously, 756. Like, I remember 756 very vividly and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. I think it was more like, like just random stuff that I remember that cracked me up now. Like, when I literally gave no f- it's just like mm-hmm. I'm just gonna slide. You can break a record, but I'm gonna be sliding. Right. <laughs> like, that's I think that was the right. funniest moment for me, at least. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. 
Okay. That, that, those are funny moments. I'm, I'm glad that you shared that with me because that's hilarious. Okay. So what are some of the challenges of growing up with your dad being Barry Bonds? Um, I think the biggest challenge I have faced is like friends and like dating. That is the, oh my gosh, that is the biggest challenge ever because you don't know what people's intentions are. And like my first ex in high school, he literally only dated me because of like my dad was very bonds. Like he gave no shit to me. He only wanted that status. And that was super mm. difficult because it was like my first boyfriend. Like I thought like we were going to get married and stupid shit. <laughs> like that literally was like, I think the biggest thing, like I realized it was like, it wasn't even like he cared about me. He more just cared about dating Barry Bonds' daughter. Friends mm. are very difficult because friends have a lot of motives. And I will remember to this day that one of my friends said to, and I, I'm going to say it. I'm going to say exactly who it is. Uh oh. I no, no beef, no nothing. Beautiful person, beautiful human being. Love her to death. You know, anything she needs, she has my number. But I remember to this day, and I don't know if she was joking or not, but it did set me back from being more social at Brentwood to this day. Hannah said, she goes, um, for like our friendship, whatever, we were having this conversation and we were walking up the stairs. Um, I don't know if it was to break or whatever, but we were walking up the stairs to the cafeteria and I remember um, Hannah said something along the lines of like, oh, like, that's how our friendship works. Like, you pay for things and I give you my friendship. But I don't know if it was a joke. It could have been a joke. Could have been completely harmless. We're in high school. We say shit don't mean. So, no, I don't obviously don't hate her for it. Don't care. But it did set me back from being more social at Brentwood in continuing my friendships at Brentwood because I did feel like a lot of the times and it wasn't and I I blame myself 50 for this and I blame others 50 for this because as you said I am a very giving person and I just want to do my best to help people so I realized the situation I was in of course I was wealthy of course I was in a different situation like my dad didn't give me money but I was able to have that resource if I needed it my mom was really paying for a lot of things. And so, like, I got opportunities that a lot of people didn't have. So, for example, I got free concert tickets because of who I knew. And so I was taking people to concerts doing all this stuff. I took my friends to Vegas for my birthday and Hannah's birthday, too, as well. It was me, me, Maylene, Alexis, and Hannah. Best time ever. Literally, I loved it. It was so fun and everything. But my mom ended up paying for everything. And then... It got to the point where it was like we were paying for everything. And I say we because it wasn't my money. <laughs> it really wasn't my mm -hmm. money. I wasn't working. But it got to that point where it was like, and then my house was like a mess every time after they left. Like, didn't really get clean. I know at my dad's house it was because my dad is a different kind of person. He will tell you to your face that you look trashy or you need to clean up your mess. He's very blunt. Mm -hmm. So it was a different story when it came to my dad's house. But when I started living more with my mom, like, I was paying for a lot of things. I was paying for everything. And like, I offered it a lot. So that's where I do blame myself is I did offer it a lot. I was like, oh, no worries. Da, 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 like, blah, 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 and stuff like that. Um, And like, even like going out to eat or whatever, a lot of times, like I knew, you know, for me, I was like, no, I got you. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Like, that's just the kind of person I am. 
But when she said that comment, it threw me off to where the mm -hmm. point where I was like, huh, that's very interesting. And whether it was a joke, whether it wasn't meant to be the way that it meant, it did mean something to me. And it definitely mm -hmm. isolated me from then on out. And that was literally sophomore year. <laughs> and I'll always remember this because end of sophomore year, I didn't talk to anyone. And all, a lot of people knew this. I was with, what, Carrie in the office every day. I was trying to get out of school as soon as possible. My graduation, did I talk to anybody or see anyone? No. Like, I literally distanced myself so much from Brentwood because going through that, like, it kind of just made me – it didn't make me feel like people were using me because of who my dad was, give or take. Obviously, we had so many celebrity kids there, so it wasn't all about me. But when it came to people who knew me and when you hear a comment like that from someone you, you know, you love and, you know, think as like a really good, like a best friend, someone to have your back, it throws you off. And you're kind of like, like, damn, like I right. know I was paying for a friendship, but like, you know, I it's high school, man. Like, I don't think I, I don't take it with me to this day to my grave. I'm not going to take it with me. I don't blame her. You know, I'm not not mad at her of course it just i'm just gonna be honest it throw me off when i was younger i was like i hope that's not our friendship yeah. a day you know but um that i think that's the hardest and like for sure dating for sure dating like i've been so scared to like you like if my boyfriend was here um he would tell you the same thing when i first met him and stuff i didn't let him follow me on instagram i gave him my middle name i didn't give him my last name and I, so I was so scared because I was like, I'm not going through this again. Um, mm -hmm. Well, I like my my boyfriend now, and then like my ex boyfriend before him. Um, yeah, he was he was something else, but um, he was the one that showed me that even if a guy has money, does not mean that they are gonna spend it on you. So that was another thing, and I ended up paying for everything once again. So and I. And that's, I mean, and I say I blame myself not to be like, oh, like, uh, trying to like win this whole thing over, but I do blame myself in a way because I'm like, I am the one offering all the time. I'm the one doing that. You know what I mean? And like, I think I had to learn to balance, like, you know, sometimes like, yeah, you can offer and stuff, but you don't always have to offer. You don't always have to like give to people and stuff. So I do blame myself in a way, but I also do like what came with that was like, a lot of times people expected me to pay because of who my mm -hmm. dad is. They're like, oh, well, you know, daddy's money, daddy's money. Daddy don't give her money. Like, no, like, that is not true. Like, absolutely mm -hmm. not. Like, my dad, like, is very strict about his money. The only time my dad gave me money was for Christmas or my birthday. Like, that was it. Like, I had mm -hmm. no allowance. I had no nothing. Like, no. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I think that's the thing too. Like, I think that came hard with it because, um, people saw that and they just saw like, oh, you get everything. Nah. Like, why would I be working two jobs, coming home at 12 AM, waking up at 6 AM to go to my other jobs, freaking fighting, like to stay up, passing out on my couch. If I had, if I, my dad was giving me money, why would I be working? Why would I be in school? Right. Like, you know what I mean? So it's like, no. And then, um, I didn't, I didn't like hate people for asking me about my dad you know what I mean like I that's so normal for me and I don't blame people 100% like I'm more just I start to now realize like 
how are you going to treat me after you find out who my dad is? Like, let's see where the day mm-hmm. comes. That's really what it is. Right. But I think, honestly, the most difficult that I've had with it, because, like, I get the steroids questions. I get the people joking with me all the time. Like, oh, did you juice with your dad? Da, da, stuff like that. I get that all, like, that never phased me. I, like, mm. I separated myself from my dad's career in his life a long time ago. Like I would, I always say like, yo, that's his life. You know, like, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> like, I don't know. I said, I'm just, I'm just his living in this world. Like, I don't know how to explain it to you. Like, I just got the last name, the dark skin and the big mouth. Like, I don't know. <laughs> like, I don't know. So like, for me, I, I definitely like that never bothered me. Stuff like that. It was more just when it came to like dating and friends because that, that's hard to figure out when you're just growing up as a normal person you know what I mean so mm-hmm. for me it was it just got more difficult because I think I was trying to was trying to be nice and giving but also had to learn to be selfish as we talked about before but yeah <laughs> yeah I feel that all right so what's something that you wish people knew about your dad that they don't already know I think that he is probably one of the most giving people you'll ever meet. And it's weird to say because me and my dad obviously have a certain different kind of relationship. I mean, you've known I've talked about it with you and in high school and stuff. Like, there was a lot going on. But I, I, when I got older, I understood why he was the way that he was. And, like, doesn't excuse what he did, obviously. Does not excuse that. But I understand why, like, all the pressure in baseball, all the racism in baseball, that's, like, insane. Mm -hmm. And, like, him still trying to fight to be himself and, like, you know what I mean, be respected in a sport that you feel like he would be respected, but he was not respected at all. Like, Mm -hmm. if you think about it, my dad, like... And I'm I'm going to say it, and I and if anybody hates me for this, that's okay. You have you have your right to hate me, but my dad, like, made the Giants, like, made baseball. Like, if you think about it, like, he built the stadium with his own money. Every Dodger ticket, every Yankees ticket, our two biggest rivals were sold out, regardless of who, regardless of them hating my dad, all this stuff. People wanted to sign my dad, like teams that you thought would never want to sign him because they hate him, all this stuff. Like the Giants would not be where they were if it wasn't for my dad. And I think a lot of people think that, and I'm probably going to get in trouble for saying this, I really don't care anymore. I think a lot of people think that the Giants protected my dad and they were behind my dad. They were not, not at all, not at all. Like, not at all at all and also if you really think about it why is Buster Posey the like partial owner of the team and not Barry Bonds if you think about it Mm -hmm. think about all the great athletes out there who have ownership of their teams that they played on because they're respected in their sport my dad doesn't my dad when he got inducted into the California Hall of Fame the Giants didn't say anything nothing they they threw my dad to the streets and it sucks because, and when I did say in the beginning, my dad is a very caring human being. Like, I, he will do anything for someone in need. Like, anything. Like, I've never seen someone just, like, literally, if they had 
problems with like let's just say like random I'm just gonna be random because it's the first thing that came to my mind I don't know why like a divorce case or something he would pay for it because someone is in need like they can't afford their lawyer he would pay for their lawyer like stuff like that Mm -hmm. like my dad goes out of his way to do things for people and like even in the streets like we went to dinner one time and it was this little girl's birthday and he made sure to tell the little girl happy birthday because he just wanted to like that's the kind of person Mm -hmm. my dad is and I think some people know and some people can see it but I think what people really honestly don't know like regardless of his personality and things that you've seen in the media and things like if you think about it and a lot of athletes understand this like Ante, I know you understand this but a lot of people don't understand like athletes are human like if you lose a game and you have reporters girls too coming into your locker room while you're butt naked bending over trying to like you know do things like i'd be pissed off mm-hmm. too. like bro relax like i'll in i'll do an interview after stuff like that and like mm-hmm. he has a really famous interview about stuff like oh like you broke me you broke my family stuff like that it was more just because like the giants weren't protecting him like they weren't protecting mm-hmm. him at all and you know it's it's really sad to this day like the reason why he's not inducted into the hall of fame i don't personally i don't think the hall of fame deserves my dad one and i know that's very arrogant and probably like a snotty thing that people are going to think that i'm going to say but i don't think they literally i don't think that i think that he should be in the hall of fame one i don't think they deserve any of his memorabilia because mlb has on my dad since day one all the racist that he dealt with in the locker room and all that stuff from the Giants and everything, the things that he had to do for other people, and MLB still doesn't want to have his back, regardless of whether people think he did steroids or not, he won his case. You know what I mean? Like, people who win their case, you leave it and you get over it and you look at them for their stats and what they are and who they are. Why are we still bringing this up? Why are we still doing this? There's people in the Hall of Fame like, Big Poppy did steroids. A-Rod did steroids, yet he got everything taken away, but he did steroids. Neil Armstrong did steroids. There's so many people also, too, in the Hall of Fame who beat their women, who do all this. Like, you know what I mean? So, like, it's like it's like a whole thing of, like, it was just general hate for my dad. And not to say that, like, other athletes didn't experience this, because I'm sure they did, and which is why I have some respect mm. for Kyrie going after big businesses, because they use athletes like puppets. You know what I mean? They're using mm. my dad as a puppet. And, like, you know, and, like, the things that he went through and stuff, and it's, like, when you look back and you think about it, like, they just did not like him. And the Giants never had his back when the media was antagonizing him, when the media was going mm. after him was going after our family and was going after people his team did not have his back and that sucks that really sucks and like they say oh you'll see in all the documentaries Barry Bonds had a massage chair and two lockers they gave that to him in his contract he didn't ask for it they gave it to him in his contract and this is what they do they build these players to make them feel like they're on top of the world did all this stuff with their contracts they give them all these things to put them as, you know, the one, the number one, they're getting all this stuff, da, 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 whatever. But then what they don't realize is they're trying to build a character within someone. And then when bad things happen, they're going to allow bad things to happen because they want that PR. They want that publicity. They don't care if it's good or bad publicity. They want publicity, period. You know what I mean? 
And it's like mm. the Giants really fed off of the bad publicity to get publicity. And so it was like, I think that's the thing that a lot of people don't understand with my dad. Like, a lot of the things that were said and done, give or take, my dad definitely has a very blunt personality and definitely in interviews. Could he have been nicer? 100%. Could a lot of people have been nicer in their life? 100%. Like, I could have been nicer in my life. But, you know, even as an athlete, any any athlete can understand. We're all human. But I think, like, the biggest one was that, like, I, I think the biggest biggest thing that people don't know about my dad is actually how the, the Giants and the industry treated him. And if they really knew the truth, meh, they'd be really pissed off. I hope, as a good human being. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, you, you're speaking real, like, like we like to call it real rap, you know? Like, that's how you, that's how you feel. That's how your family feels. And it's valid to feel that way, you know, um, nobody knows, you know, like you said, what happened with that situation. Uh, even when, uh, some of my friends are asking me who I was going to have next on the show and I say, Oh yeah, I'm going to have Asia. They're like, Oh, are you going to, you know, like right. talk about what happened and like kind of, you know, why Barry doesn't get talked about and why he doesn't kind of have that same respect that other people had. And, you know, honestly, I was going to stay a little bit away from it, but you know, you're talking about it and I think that it's real and it definitely affects like you, you know, yeah. it, it affects your brothers and sisters yeah. and the rest of yeah. your family. And, you know, I think people just see it, like you said, as a joke, you know, like, right. oh, it's so funny. He, you know, oh, it's so funny. He did steroids, but it's like, you know, regardless, um, we have a justice system, you know, whether that's the greatest justice system right. or not is a whole different, different conversation, but they, right. they made a decision. And a lot of other times when they make decisions, people live with it. But, you know, honestly, whenever it has to deal with a black man, Yep. You know, the decision's never good enough, you know? Mm -hmm. So um, it's unfortunate that it is that way. Yeah. And, you know, I think you, you obviously know that. I think that your dad deserves a lot of respect. There was a lot of years before those allegations even came up where he was a very dominant baseball player right. and he only continued to do so um, afterwards in – I mean, that dude could hit the ball, but clear, clearly people were afraid even afterwards, you know, to throw the ball to him. So he could hit the ball, wow. you know, before and after. So I don't understand why, you know, during the period where that's in question, you know, why people are, you know, especially with the decision going in his favor, yeah. that people, you know, are so up in arms about him doing and like you said there's a ton of ton of dudes who have gotten in trouble for it you know and a lot of other different sports too not just baseball right. and uh people are forgiven but uh i guess you know when you're it's like you know lebron when you're at the top when you're the best there's a lot of scrutiny that comes with that and mm -hmm. well well i think that be i think it's more when you play the game but there is definitely a game that is played with those people and 100% it is real it is true and for the people that don't want to play the game it is a very world <laughs> 100% and it's like you have these big 
businesses and companies that think they can like rule you and overpower you and control you like a puppet and because my dad said no because MLB and this is the thing that nobody knows MLB doesn't own any of my dad's stuff that's why you don't see my dad's jerseys that's why you don't see any jersey of my dad's that wasn't from when he was playing or like sold on his site is fake they don't own his jerseys they don't own anything of his and they hate that they can't profit off of my dad so they're gonna try to paint him out to be a bad guy you know what i mean it's like Mm -hmm. that's what people don't know and that's that's the whole thing behind the hall of fame now whatever it might be controversial for me to say as his daughter it might be not a good pr move but i don't give a about pr (laughs) i'm gonna be honest Mm -hmm. about my feelings and how i feel about it and like you know the guys are the guys in the mlb who are the writers they're the one making the votes they're the one doing all that stuff if my dad didn't have a good interview with you you're not getting a vote period that's how, that's mm. how it is that's it's a business you know what i mean and and mm. that's why like to this day when you ask me like an athlete like it might be so like cliche to say but really my dad because my dad didn't fall into that he really was like no, mm-hmm. my own person if i'm going to be making the money and doing all of this of course you're going to get a cut but you're not going to own me as a person you know what i mean mm-hmm. and that's that's like the biggest thing too that's you know the reason you know, I don't know all the reasons, but that is a lot of the stuff that I think people don't know about with the Hall of Fame and like, you know, the questions and stuff about people probably asking you like, oh, are you going to ask or you can ask me as many questions as you want. I'm going to say my honest opinion and stuff. If I don't know something, I don't know. I'm going to tell you and be like, yeah, I, I just I just don't know. Mm-hmm. But like, you know why? I guess like the one why he's not talked about a lot in baseball is because he owns all of his stuff. But also, too, they don't want to mm-hmm. talk about him because of all the controversy behind like the steroids and stuff can i confirm or the steroids no i'm a kid you know what i mean i'm not in the locker room i'm not where everything's going on so to me in my eyes no he didn't do it do i know no i don't i didn't i didn't you know i wasn't old enough to see and even if i was old enough like even if you talk to my brothers and sisters whatever they're gonna say they're gonna say but i am going to assume they're gonna say no because nobody saw so nobody mm-hmm. can confirm. You know what I'm saying? And it's like the steroid stuff comes down to legality. And that's if you go through baseball's history, steroids was legal when my dad was playing until I don't know what day or what year. But the legality behind it is when my dad was playing, even on the Pirates and on the Giants, not his whole career. So don't say, don't quote me on like, oh, his whole time he was there it was legal and it wasn't. No, because I know it wasn't legal mm-hmm. during some of his career. But during part of his career, it was legal. And if you look mm-hmm. back and you look at all these, you know, baseball documentaries, everybody's coming out at the, about it, about greenies. People were taking meth, like Fer- Fernandez, um, mm-hmm. rest in peace. The pitcher that passed away, he was doing cocaine before games. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Stuff like that. So it's like a lot of things... A lot of things were comes down to like a legality issue, and I obviously I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not the law, so I can't speak upon like if it's right or if it's wrong, da 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 stuff like that. But it's like, you know, when it comes to the law, and as you're saying, as a black man, if they want to accuse a black man, they're gonna accuse a black man. If they want to go with it and they want to make it a whole thing, they're gonna make it a whole thing. And my dad mm-hmm. just unfortunately. <laughs> was the star black man of baseball one of the most white predominant sports <laughs> that is a little bit you know behind on times with race he just mm-hmm. was an unfortunate target 
but yeah yeah if you i mean feel free if you have other questions or if people were asking you questions that they wanted you to ask me i'm very much an open book about it <laughs> i really thank you for sharing that insight you know about your dad i think there's one last question about your dad and i have to ask you some rapid fire questions about bay versus la um oh heck <laughs> <laughs> So uh, the last question, uh, you know, this person's a little bit controversial, you know, obviously. So I'm not speaking to the fact that, like, I don't even know how old I was, like 10, 11 when this <laughs> song came out. And this person was a lot less controversial then. But back in the day, I used to be, a, you know, a fan of the music of uh, Mr. Okay. Kanye West. Uh, <laughs> and he had this song that... I was also a very big fan of because my mom was a very big fan of Lil Wayne. And together they made a song about your dad called Very Boss. Has your dad ever listened to that song? And if he has, what does he think about that song? (laughs) Yeah, he has listened to that song. And um, I don't, you know, my dad is very old school. So he loves his new edition. He loves, you know, Bobby Brown, Temptations, all that stuff. Um, so in order for Kanye to make that song, he had to call my dad and, you know, obviously get an agreement. My dad, my dad's kind of a very laid back, nonchalant person. He's like, I don't care, whatever. So he made the song. My dad heard it. He thought it was funny. He honestly thought it was funny. My favorite part about this song is when he says his head's too big. You can't sit behind me. Very true. <laughs> I'm going to say nothing. <laughs> and then you see, he comments about like the pink polo stuff. That was cute. That was cute. Honestly, I think the song is funny. I think the song is hella catchy. And it was cool. I my dad has nothing negative to say about the song. He loves the song. <laughs> Will he listen to it on a daily basis or is it in his playlist? No. Right. Like I'm gonna be honest, no. <laughs> but he like when the song came out, I think he thought it was funny too. And I mean you have the classic lines too, like, um, in Rush Hour too, like, Oh, this dude's this dude's so big, he's on steroids, he looks like Barry Bonds or he's got a head like Barry Bonds or whatever. Mm-hmm. I think it's funny. Yeah. Like my dad, my dad's very laid back with that stuff, so he thinks it's funny. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. So now, look. You know, this is a very important part for me. Huge culture. You know, people are gonna get upset with you right now. I know. I can tell you that right I'm now. Upset. People are gonna get upset because you spent a, a significant amount of time in the Bay. You spent a significant amount of time in LA. So now we just have to ask you certain questions about the two to see which one you rocking with. So first one, rapid fire, better food, Bay or LA? Bay. Better fashion, Bay or LA? Oh, that's a good one. I'm going to go with LA. LA. Okay. Better dances. Bay or LA? The Bay. That ain't even a question. The Bay. Okay. Better music. Bay or LA? The Bay. The Bay. Let me let me let me elaborate on this one really quick, even though I know it's a rapid question. I I personally fell in love with the Bay style more than LA, but I mean you gotta give it to YG. <laughs> you gotta give it to Snoop. You gotta give it to the old crew. But the old crew though, if you listen to their music, also collabs with the Bay. Mm-hmm. So you gotta understand the Bay has a lot of influence on LA rappers nowadays, but I'm gonna I'm gonna have to go I'm gonna have to go with the Bay. Okay, and then culture as a whole, Bay or LA? Bay, one hundred percent, one hundred percent the Bay. 
you're hurting my heart here. But I, expe- you know, I expected I this. Know. I expected it a little bit, you know. I expected it. I'll accept it. I'll accept it, you know. I feel like dances and music is, I feel like music's a tough one. You know, I feel like, you know, obviously huge Larry June fan right now. That's Bay, but I also got Blast, you know, and I'm a huge fan of his yeah. too. And he's LA. So right now, two of, two of my favorite artists are, you know, from Polar, Polarizing Opinions. Rocking both. Rocking so both. Rocking. Hey, there's a lot of collabs though. Yeah. There's a lot of collabs, a lot of Bay influence on LA, a lot of LA influence on the Bay, especially with all the old rappers though, mm-hmm. too. Like E40 is on Dre albums, Dre is on E40 albums, mm-hmm. back and forth. Like there's a lot, there's a lot of influence. But I, that, that's like why it is hard for me, but I just think the Bay beats behind it more of the base for me mm-hmm. is what i like okay and that's a fair opinion you're entitled to your opinion <laughs> all right this is the segment that i have every single week we have to know your red light jam so for the people that don't know once again we call it rlj rlj and it's just the part ooh, excuse me i'm gonna have to edit that out i can't even get it out this is just the part of the episode <laughs> <laughs> This is the part of the episode where we decide on a song that we want to show people for whatever reason. It could be because it reminds you of a good time, because it's funny, because it reminds you of somebody you love, whatever it is, you know, whatever you got on your heart at the moment, you can let us know and let us know why. So this week, you know, we're starting with the letter C. So Asia. Can you please tell me your red light jam for the week? Yes. It's going to be Call Me Every Day by Chris Brown. I think it's featuring WizKid. It's kind of a mixture of like Afrobeats, like Caribbean vibes, and rap and hip hop. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. It's a great song. It's a fun song. Yes. It's a fun song. Yes. And the dance is fire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, of course, you know, with you being my first woman guest on the Tay Talks podcast, shout out to you, of course. Applause, applause, applause. Um, I I have to go with a shout out to a female group, uh, Flo, their song, Cardboard Box. Absolutely insane. Fire. I love that song. Uh, I chose this song because it actually reminds me of my mom because it's a song that I would feel like if it came out when I was younger that we would have listened to in the car. It's got that like late 90s, early 2000s girl band group whatever you want to call it and it's just like uh you know just very poppy just very like fun you know type of song so i can't wait for you guys to listen to that song if you haven't heard it it's such a good one and the last thing i want to ask is of course is there anything that you want to shout out that you have going on or there or that your friends have going on um that you want the people to know about um, I'm gonna shout out my boyfriend. Ew, so gross, but I'm gonna shout him out. <laughs> um, he's a personal trainer. His Instagram is J E R underscore fitness. Follow him for fitness tips or if you're interested also too in like basketball stuff, you hoops. Um, he's a dope human being. 
I love him, so I just want to shout him out because I'm giving him some props and everything. And I told him I would. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think honestly, him and then to close, obviously too. Like, um, I feel like this whole podcast was great, and I just want to say thank you to you for having me on this podcast and allowing me to speak my truth because I do feel like, um, you know, people kind of like isolated me a bit and like I kind of shut down a lot so I think it was good to kind of you know allow me to have my voice and allow me to speak so I want to thank you for that and allowing me to say my truth and if I'm ever invited back on this podcast I'd be so happy and I would love that but yeah I think that that was it (laughs) well I guess you know this is your formal invite to come back we'll have you back at some point you know to get a part two get some new perspectives, you know, see how we, how we grow from now into the next episode. And, um, yeah. Let's hope I don't get a phone call from my dad. No, it's like, you know, but yeah, I really appreciate that. Um, it was such a great episode and just have such great insight and your truth is important. It's valid. Everyone needs to be able to have the opportunity to speak their truth. And it's, you know, special. I really think it's a special thing that, you know, we met when we were teenagers and now all of a sudden we're grown adults and we're able to, you know, have this opportunity to really just, you know, open up to the world about how we feel about our situations in our lives. So thank you so much. Uh, This has been episode three of the Tay Talks podcast and thank you everybody. We out.